Welcome back to the podcast. We're at episode 91 and today we're talking all about the anatomy of high converting sales pages. So if you've got a website and you sell anything online, you are going to want to listen in. Welcome to the Brand Builders Lab podcast. We're learning how to create an epic brand, find the right marketing strategies, and building your business is a constant evolution, classroom, and lab. Each week, we'll be diving into all things brand and marketing with special guests and solo episodes to help you build your business brand and big idea. Hey, hey, welcome back. It is awesome to have you here as always. I hope that you are having a fabulous week and that you are feeling good. Yeah, something that I'm focusing on a lot this year is not just having really big business goals, but having really big health goals that support my business goals. I feel like in 2019, I kind of just let it all go uh, as far as regularly looking after myself. And I feel like that affected my work as well. So I read Atomic Habits, which I think I've shared in uh, the first episode of this year and have been taking my puppy for a walk every day and feeling great and really looking after myself. And it has been fantastic. And it just brings so much more energy to everything else that I'm doing uh, and my mood and everything as well. So I hope that you're feeling good. I hope that you are focusing on yourself as well as your business. And uh, and yeah, you know, it's about that holistic approach, isn't it really? And so today, as you may know, this month in January, we're talking a lot about launches and how to make sure that the things that you're doing are working well, they're converting well, and that you're not wasting your time with it. And so today I am so pleased to have a special guest on the podcast with us today talking all about the anatomy of high converting sales pages. So Gigi is a conversion-led brand strategist and web designer and the owner of 1-6 Creative, a design agency providing creative solutions for small businesses and creative entrepreneurs who don't want to play small, you know I love that, anymore and are ready to step into the spotlight. She's also the host of the Create, Connect, Convert podcast, a show where she talks all about how to create a brand that leaves lasting impressions, how to connect with your ideal audience on a deeper level and how to convert your followers into raving fans. Last but not least, when outside of her creative cave, Gigi loves traveling the world and discovering quirky Instagram worthy places and never says no to a puppy hug. We're all about the puppies here now that I've got Bobo, who is my schnoodle, who I love dearly (laughs) and has become my office fixture. So I'm looking forward to diving into this with Gigi today. And I know that there are some great tips that you're going to love as well. But before we do dive in, I want to make sure that if you haven't signed up for my free webinars, which are eight secrets to scaling your business and building a bold brand, that you do that right now or when you finish listening to this podcast. So if you go to theconnectionexchange.com forward slash webinars, it will take you to that page where you can select one of the available times because I'm running a few live webinars so that you can come and hang out with me and we can talk all things scaling your business. Because right now, Brand Builders Academy is open for registration if you are looking to scale your business and create the right systems, strategies and structures 
then this one's for you. If you want to be surrounded by other women who are doing big things, who are going after those big clients, who have audacious goals, who are really stepping out of their comfort zone and being a whole lot bolder, then this one's for you. Make sure that you head to theconnectionexchange.com forward slash BBA to join and register for the next live round of Brand Builders Academy, which starts on the 10th of February. No matter where you are in the world, you can join us, you can hang out and you can start to really grow and build your business, which I would love to work with you to do. So make sure you head over to theconnectionexchange.com forward slash BBA and hopefully I will see you on the inside. But without further ado, let's dive into this week's podcast episode. Gigi, welcome to the Brand Builders Lab podcast. So much for having me. Really excited to be here. My pleasure. My pleasure. Now, we connected through Instagram and you did buy my book, which I was like, that's so exciting because you're based in London. Absolutely. Yes. So as, as we're recording this, it's like 9am in Melbourne and it's about 10pm there. So, you know, we were sort of <laughs> saying it's a big wide world. Podcasting is an amazing, I feel like it's a gift to, uh, to us as business owners where we could be talking to anyone anywhere, which is amazing. Exactly. Exactly. I agree. So good. So good. And I know that your uh, biz besties with May Kay as well, who I had on the podcast a while ago talking about uh, pitching for podcasts, which is great. So yeah, really helped me a lot with my, with my pitching for podcasts as well. So yeah, we've known each other for years now. So it's awesome to be here as well. I feel like I'm following in her footsteps. <laughs> <laughs> so good. But I do feel like it's, you know, so you kind of meet somebody and then you kind of get to know some of their crew or their community. So it's been really good. Um, and it's, yeah, really exciting. So for my audience who don't know you, and obviously I've given a bit of an intro, but can you just give us a bit of background? And I did just say, obviously I just said Gigi, but that is not your full name <laughs> because I literally can't really pronounce it. What's your background? So my full name is Yevgenia Davarashvili, but nobody that just calls rolls me. off the tongue, <laughs> just rolls off the tongue. <laughs> So I'm, I have, uh, I'm Ukrainian. I was born in Ukraine and I grew up in Switzerland and now I'm based in London. So kind of been moving around a lot, uh, but this is where my name comes from. My surname actually is Georgian, but we're not even going to go there. We're going to be stuck here for a while. Wow. <laughs> okay. So, uh, but I, uh, I'm a brand strategist and web designer and the owner of 1-6 Creative, which is a conversion-led design agency. And I work with small businesses and creative entrepreneurs who want to take their branding and their business to a whole new level and don't want to play small anymore and really want to step into the spotlight. Um, but I haven't always been a designer. My background is actually in marketing and after university or college i have to get used to saying college instead of university. no well we say university oh okay perfect yeah, in so america after... they say college yes <laughs> we understand after university i got a job as a marketing director and then transitioned into a brand executive job and it was awesome but for very kind of for, for some time i started getting home and i would sit on my couch and be like 
this couldn't be it. Like, I think that I need to do something more. Just the nine to five was really not, not for me. And I know it was, I, I understood that it was my first job. And I was like, well, I probably should get more experience, but it just didn't feel right. So I quit kind of like a, on an emotional note without a backup plan, which drove my parents crazy because <laughs> like what do you mean you're quitting your job and what are you gonna do it's like ah, I'll figure it out <laughs> <laughs> as we always do yeah. Um, but I started looking into, into design because I did a little bit of design out of interest. I'm definitely, I wasn't definitely a designer back then. I started learning, um, self-teaching myself and learning by watching YouTube videos and looking at what other designers were doing. And slowly but, by sure, but surely I started getting, um, you know, more clients, but I felt like, there's so many talented designers out there. And that's the thing, like in any creative industry, there's yeah. just a sea of super talented people. Yeah. So my worry was like, okay, so how am I going to stand out? What is my, what is my thing, right? Because when somebody chooses a designer to work with, they're going to look at four or five different options. And how do I stand out and do something different? So I spoke to some of my past clients about you know, asking them, well, what was different? What did you enjoy? What was special? Maybe I surprised you with something that you didn't expect. And everyone I talked to, they actually said, well, you're not really a designer, which was like, hold on a second. <laughs> what do you mean I'm not a designer? Like, well, you're not really a designer. You're a marketer, but you know design and you, cre you can create beautiful things, but you're a marketer first. And that was my light bulb moment. That was like, oh my God, yes, I have all of this knowledge and all of this experience in marketing, but I kind of dismissed it and thought about replacing it with design, but actually they go hand in hand. And that's how I transitioned towards conversion-led design, where basically I work mostly on marketing strategy. Uh, and we talk a lot about the end goal, the outcome that my client wants to get. And then we use design as a tool to achieve that. So a little bit of a different approach, but that's how I got to, to where I am today. Amazing. I love that. And I always say as well to my clients that that's how you differentiate yourself. I think so many times we do dismiss like where we've come from and our background, but it's like all of the mix of what's brought you to this stage that actually makes you either good at what you are or, you know, good at what you do and how you do it, how you engage with them, your thought process, all those things. So I think that that is super important when it does come to differentiating yourself is acknowledging and, and bringing all of that past in as well, which I think is awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing with differentiating yourself and really um, showing off that, that thing that is special and different about you is that you want to attract everyone and that is not the goal. And I'm sure we're going to dive into this a little bit later, but the goal is not to attract everyone out there there are going to be people who want want to work with you yeah. because you're just not a right fit but you want to attract your tribe you want to attract your people and those who really love working with you and resonate with your message with your personality with who you are and that is the gold mine yeah absolutely and i just think that i spoke about this in a recent podcast as well it's like like claim your audience like say this is who i work with this is who i'm for 
this, like, if you love this, if this is how you think, if this is who you want to be, then I'm for you. And if that's not who you want to be, then that's cool. Like there'll be other people for you as well. So yeah, I think that that's, yeah, so important for us to do. But I'm super excited to talk about what we're going to talk about today, which is the anatomy of a high converting sales page for your next launch. Uh, And I've got a couple of, I was just saying to you before, I've actually got a few guests coming up where I'm really looking at conversion. So it could be conversion copy. It could be conversion around, we're talking about sales pages today, uh, but really making sure that the things that you're creating are doing what you need them to do. Because I think sometimes we create things and we cross our fingers and, and hope for the best <laughs> when in fact there is a formula and there is a way to understand how to get what you want. Absolutely. I'm really excited about this topic as well. I call it uh, wish me luck marketing. <laughs> when you kind of put something out there and then you're sitting there crossing your fingers yeah. like, is it going to work? Is it going to work? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's so good. And so let's dive into this because uh, I obviously have a launch coming up next year. So I am once again, just using your knowledge and expertise to help me to have a better launch. Which, uh, <laughs> well, that's why you have this podcast, right? Exactly. Just to get advice. <laughs> Hopefully it helps my listeners too, which I'm sure it will. Uh, but yeah, so, so what are the key things that we need to be thinking about when it comes to uh, high converting sales pages? Sure. So I think first it's important to actually define what a sales page is because I like to never assume knowledge and kind of start from the beginning because there is a lot of misconception, especially between a sales page, a landing page, and a homepage because they all kind of sound similar, but they have very different purposes. So if we start from the beginning, your homepage which is the very first page that somebody lands on when they visit your website to be very, very basic here. Um, Your homepage will sell your overall brand by providing overall information about your business, about who you are. You might show a little, you know, a kind of like a selection of your services. Uh, You'll provide a little bit more information about where you come from, about your studio or whatever it is you do. So it's very general, a very general introduction. And from there, usually what you should be doing is having very clear call to actions to direct people into different Uh, sections of your website so they can learn more about it. So your homepage is a display of your brand. It's kind of when you see a display in in the shop, the vitrine or whatever you call it, when, when you do window shopping, that's your homepage. Just shows what your brand stands for. Your landing page is different. A landing page converts your online visitors into leads. So that's, I think, the biggest differentiator between a landing page and a sales page is that a landing page will convert a visitor, an online visitor on your website into a lead. So maybe they need to book a consultation, download your freebie, book a call with you, whatever it is, the action that you want them to take to become a lead, that's usually a landing page. A sales page has a whole uh, sole purpose of for your for your lead to purchase something so that's where sales pages are focused on the decision and the decision to buy the decision to convert them from a lead into a customer 
So just wanted to put it out there because I think it's very important for, for people to understand because often, especially on, on the web, I see people calling landing pages, sales pages. I'm like, hold on, this has a whole different purpose. Yeah, yeah. and I, like we, I think we sort of call landing pages opt-in pages, but it's ex- exactly the or same. Or opt-in pages. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. It can be also called opt-in pages, but what's important to, to remember is the sales page needs to convert into, into a money-making offer. So it has the purpose to purchase and someone to click on the buy button. So that's, yeah, that's the main purpose of a sales page. Um, the other differentiators for sales page compared to other pages on, on your website, the very first one is a sales page doesn't have navigation or shouldn't have any sort of navigation out there, especially if you're using your actual website to build a sales page, which is absolutely fine. If you're not using like lead pages or there are other services out there, your sales page should not have any distraction out there. So it shouldn't have a navigation like other pages on your website because what you want is you want the person to actually stick to your or stick on your sales page and not go and wander off to learn about you and look at your portfolio and kind of go for a little jog there. <laughs> you want them to stick on your sales page and go all the way down to that money-making offer. Yeah. And so do you have, and you might be going into this, but do you have a view at the moment on like length of sales pages? Because I know that, you know, some people have really long sales pages and others have shorter ones. Like what are your thoughts on that? So my thought is there isn't really a right or wrong, but the sales page needs to be exactly the length that you need to convert your uh, your your visitor, your viewer. It, the thing is, usually long form pages are for higher price offers. So if you're if you have a very low price offer, let's say something for twenty seven dollars. I see this a lot. Twenty seven. I don't know why, but twenty seven seems to be a good number. <laughs> yeah. Something for twenty seven dollars is kind of like nah, yeah. I don't need to think for a long time whether I want. I'm you know I'm going to purchase it or not. Here you can have a short form sales page. It doesn't require a lot of thinking. You don't need to spend a lot lot of time convincing me. Am I ready to give up three Starbucks coffees for this? Or how much is it? Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Yes or no, it's very easy. If you have a a more expensive offer, if you have something that is... $100, $200, $300, and and beyond that, then definitely you need to educate your visitor on, you need to educate and persuade them into making that that purchase. So in that case, yes, a longer sales page will, will be good, but you need to ensure that your sales page is not dragging to the point where your visitor is actually losing focus and losing interest. So we will dive into the different sections that I definitely recommend having on the sales pages, but just make sure that you're not basically, your, your visitor is not losing focus as they're going through, the, through your sales page. Okay, great. So yeah, so what are the essential blocks or building blocks for a high converting sales page? And how do you work out what that information is going to be? Mm. 
So the doesn't matter whether your sales page is long or short. There are some things that you should consider having anyway. The very first one is the hook. So as soon as you land on there, I need to know exactly what is this and what am I getting out of it? Uh, writing a really good headline for your sales page is probably the hardest thing that you're going to have to do because that's, you know how they say that you only have three seconds to grab someone's attention on the website. Well, this is your hook. This is your headline, uh, your headline on your sales page. And if it doesn't tell me what you're trying to sell me and how it's going to benefit me, what am I going to get out of it? Then you're going to lose me. I'm probably not going to keep on scrolling. So that's the first thing that will grab my attention. The second one, and I know some people, you know, there's a little bit of a debate there, but the second one is design, especially if you have a a very high price ticket so a high high offer design will play a role because it will simply show you know, what I'm talking about is clean professional design um, because if I'm gonna be paying some for something five hundred dollars for example and it looks kind of not really great mm. <laughs> then I'm gonna start questioning whether it's it's a fake whether it's a scam or not so you want your page to look appealing with professional pictures and so on but design is not everything this is what hooks people a headline and for the page to be visually appealing appealing to your ideal audience as well so make sure that you always keep your ideal audience in mind if your ideal audience is very female oriented then keep that in mind and design something that will relate to them. Keep your design female and light and bright and have some colors on there, some really nice colorful photography and so forth. So that's the hook. Yeah. The- and I think that that's okay. And I think that with that as well, you know, like you were saying, depending on the price of the product, I kind of think that, you know, any, any price that's a non-decision point is, uh, you know, like you were saying, if it's $27, uh, it doesn't matter as much, but when you are trying to sell something at a higher cost, it's like what I'm seeing is my perception of the quality of what I'm about to buy. So, yeah. you know, that visual branding, I think plays a really big part because I've been, and I feel like this is a while ago, but I remember looking at sales pages where I was like, this doesn't look great. And so if you're telling me you're going to help me build my business or make things better or whatever it is, and I'm looking at something and it's $2,000 or whatever it is. And then I, I kind of think, I don't know that that appeals to me. I don't know that that looks great. I don't know that you're like, what you're selling is what I'm buying here. So I think that it's actually really important, you know, whilst it doesn't have to be, you know, premium, it has to look good. And like you said, it's got to really appeal to your audience. So I think really knowing, knowing what they like, but also making sure that it really reflects you and where you want to position your brand, I think is so important. Exactly. It's like, for example, with your brand, right? I know that you're very colorful and bubbly and, you know, you brand bold. That's, that's you play big brand bold right there behind (laughs) you. (laughs) So I know I have expectations from what's, 
your sales page might be. And if I land on a sales page that doesn't reflect that, I'm going to be like, ah, uh, sis, are you okay? <laughs> yeah. It's a brand so, disconnect. Totally. Exactly. Yeah. There's going to be a brand disconnect because I already have some expectations from you because yeah. usually people who will be converting on your sales page, they already know your brand. That's going to be the people who will be converting most. Converting a cold lead on a sales page is quite hard, but a warm lead that came from a opt-in or from a lead page into a sales page, that's much easier, but they already know your brand and, and they already kind of trust you so they already have some expectations of you so if you show them something that doesn't resonate with what they're expecting it's going to be there's going to be a disconnect and the conversions are definitely going to drop yeah and i think that when it, whenever there is a disconnect there is you're really eroding trust because people are like this doesn't feel and we always go with our gut it's like this doesn't feel quite right and when we mm. feel that then we are like hmm is like, should I be doing this? So I think that, yeah, having that consistency is super important. Absolutely. Awesome. So what's next? After the hook, which is the headline and the design, finally the visitor is going to be like, okay, if they like what they see and they like what they're reading, they're going to start reading more into it and scrolling down. So the next thing you want is what we call the promise paragraph. So that is what is your promise to them? And one thing I want to point out straight away is that all of the copy on your sales page has nothing to do with your product or with your brand. It has absolutely nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with your customer and the person who's reading it. We call it value-based copy um, or also benefit-focused copy. I saw, I saw that as well. You have to show them what's in it for them. What can they expect to get in return? So it requires a little bit of practice, especially when you write it, uh, when you write the copy yourself. And usually you would write a first draft and then you would kind of reread it and see, hmm, is it all about me? Because your first draft is usually always about you. It's like, well, this is what we can do for you, but you need to twist it around and put your uh, customer as the lead actor of this page. So your promise program promise paragraph comes next. The next thing we, we usually recommend putting out there is breaking down your sales page into attention grabbing uh, subheadings. Because what people do on a sales page is they usually scroll through the whole thing yeah. and then they go back up. <laughs> I've so done this. Yeah. I'm like, how long is it? What are all the headings? Exactly. And then I'll come back and like read what I want. Yeah. Exactly. They will first scroll through the whole thing, look at the different uh, subheadings or dif different sections you're going to have, and then they're going to go back to the section that interests them most. Usually that's the section that interests people most. And uh, I analyzed a lot of uh, heat maps, like sales pages, yeah. heat maps. And for those who don't know what a heat map is, there's a really cool software called Hotjar, which you can download and it's, you can even use the free version. It's awesome. It basically shows you the hot areas on your website. So for example, the buttons that people click most and stuff like that. It's really awesome stuff. I geek over this for way longer <laughs> than you need to. Yeah. I need to use it more for that. I use it. So when somebody comes to my website, it says, oh, like, what were you here for? Or, you know, did you find what you were looking for? So I get all of those notifications and I know it does do heat maps, uh, but I haven't looked at that enough yeah, I need to go well, back and take also, a look at it it also shows this really freaky thing which is recordings of people yes 
Yes. And it's so strange. And even with the free version, you can get, I think, a portion of your audience uh, can get recorded and you actually can watch people go through your website. And that is really good stuff, especially for conversions. Because if you see someone get stuck on a section very long, when you see them like scrolling up and down and getting just their mouse is getting all confused, their cursor, mm. then that is definitely a sign that mm, something's wrong here because obviously they don't know what they need to do next. Or if they click on something that they thought was a button and isn't actually a button that definitely creates confusion confusion and you need to go back to your site and fix that so yeah. the same thing with sales pages uh, i analyzed a lot of heat maps for sales pages and one of the sections that gets most interaction is the faqs at the very end mm -hmm. the people tend to actually go to the faqs straight away yeah. before reading any of the information and yeah. Uh, and also the testimonials. So that is another incredibly important section on your, uh, on your sales page is the yeah. social proof. Social proofing basically shows people that the, we, these are the people who went through this course or who purchased this product and they loved it. Ideally, you want people to, uh, you want the, these testimonials to be of real people. And if you can attach some small case studies that go with it, it's even better. Um, but testimonials play a huge part on on a sales page because they demonstrate that they demonstrate your products or your service benefits and the advantages from a customer's point of view so for finally they're not reading stuff that you're putting out there but they're reading someone else's point of view i mean you probably know that testimonials are incredibly important on the website and and on your services page and it goes the same for the sales page as well yeah and i um i actually uh was looking at like bba for the next round and i really like quantifiable testimonials too mm. like where it's like you know i like this was a measurable increase or improvement or whatever i had where, like after working on or being in this course or so things like that influence me a lot where it's like quantifiable so i've got some great testimonials but i'm like i really want to do the case study quantifiable testimonials as well because i think that especially when you've got a higher price product it carries a lot of weight but yeah i always go and watch like video testimonials or go and read through the testimonials i think they're really important yeah and i agree with you on quantifiable results and i actually changed the way that i get ask for testimonials from my own clients so i usually t uh, send them a very short questionnaire with questions i want them to answer and then i kind of craft the testimonial around uh, their answers so one of the questions that i ask them is what was the what was a result that you achieved after a work together? And usually it would be, I would have someone say, oh, I booked like three clients a week after launching my new site. That is awesome because that, that is a quantifiable result or I earned this amount of money or I uh, earned, you know, I got my return on investment after 30 days or something yeah. like this. So I definitely recommend if you can to get quantifiable testimonials because we react to numbers so much better than to uh, quali qualitative. Yeah, there's quantitative data mm. and qualitative data. So our brain reacts to this much better because when we see numbers, we can actually understand is it big or is it small, right? When we talk about qualitative data, it's really hard to kind of measure it. So if you can get quantitative uh, testimonials, it's so much better. 
Yeah. And I also think that a lot of times as small businesses, we take a look at the cost of something and we're like, am I going to make that back? And obviously we take courses and we do training and all the rest of it because we want to grow our business. We want to grow our income. Uh, So I think that that's why quantifiable testimonials are really a value because if somebody's like, I made like 10 times what I paid for the course in the first three months post like graduating from the course, uh, that to me is like, well, obviously I want to invest because I'm going to get that back plus. So I think that that's one of the reasons. I think that's how people think it's like, how much is this going to cost me? Whereas I always, I'm always like, how much am I willing to invest in that uh, to get the return that I'm looking for because I want to have better PR or I want to build my brand or I want to, mm. you know, get on more podcasts or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. So I think after testimonials, the next most important sections on your sales page is what I said earlier is the FAQs, the frequently asked questions, because this is your opportunity to address the questions that might be holding your prospects back from purchasing. And the thing is, you need to be smart here and think about as they scroll through my sales page, what are all of the questions that will be coming to mind. Most of it is going to be about pricing, is going to be about price guarantee, which is incredibly important. Mm-hmm. Um, what, so if they want a refund, what can they do? Um, what, when can they expect results? How the files are going to be delivered? You need to think you be smart about it and think about all of these questions in advance because your prospect is going to have tons of questions, especially if it's a high offer. They're going to have so many questions in their head. So you need to address them in this FAQ uh, so that they can see, oh, that's awesome. They actually thought about that. And so do you think that you still need to repeat that even if you've said that in the sales copy? So for example, yeah, so, you know, uh, this is how the course is going to be delivered. This is what it's going to look like. This is the refund policy. So all of that's in the sales copy, but then you readdress that in the FAQ section. Yeah, absolutely. Because as I said, people don't read websites anymore. They scroll through them. You know, we're we're reading diagonally. We just read the headings and a lot of information is missed. So that's why when I see a website that is filled with copy and filled with content, I feel bad for them because I know how hard it is to write really good copy and especially when it's a lot of it. But the truth is people read only a very small fraction of what you put out there. So even though you already maybe repeated it twice that yes, there is uh, a refund. Yes, there is price guarantee. Don't worry about it. This is how much it's going to cost. Repeat it in the FAQ because that is a section that I guarantee people are actually going to read. Okay. Very good. like that tip. I have to go check my FAQs again. <laughs> <laughs> like, did I repeat everything? <laughs> So I'm currently working on a photographer's site and she has a lot of different services and I forced her to add FAQs on every single service page. She's like, why are we putting it everywhere? I'm like, trust me, because that is the only section that people actually read. So we need to repeat it all the time. And I mean, do you read FAQs? Is that something that you do? I don't know. I'm just trying to think. Maybe. Maybe. I'm kind of a bit of a reader of a sales page. Like if I'm going to invest the money... 
uh, I'm going to, I pretty much do read it like quite in depth and then I'll go see what the FAQs are and think if I don't know something that they're talking about, then I'll go take a look at the answer. But I feel like I kind of read through things maybe two or three times before I make yeah. a buying decision. <laughs> and a lot of times it's because it's probably like more than a grand or two. So, yeah. you know, that takes consideration and really understanding what I'm going to get from it and if it's for me. And so, yeah, I think I would look at the FAQs, but I, I'm a bit of a detailed reader as well. So <laughs> I might not be think, one of one of the people who, who are the norm. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's different though with, with marketers, especially because we tend to overanalyze everything. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, mm, I wouldn't have said it that way. <laughs> We tend to be a little bit picky. I think yeah. it's so much harder to convert to marketer because they know all of the different tricks and the little strategies. Uh, when I, especially when I get emails, I'm like, I know what you did there. I'm not gonna <laughs> fall for it. <laughs> That's hilarious. I have to tell you something. Like when we're sitting and watching TV, I love analyzing ads where I'm like, that is such a good ad. And my seven-year-old son, a little while ago, he was sitting there. Went, That's not a very good ad, mom. I didn't really understand what they were selling. And I'm like, No, it was wasn't Ethan, was it? <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like raising little brand strategists. <laughs> I love that. I love cinema ads. I never miss cinema ads, the tacky ones at the very beginning, oh, because I know that people actually pay big bucks to have their ad there, you know, before the trailers and all of that. I don't and take notice. I'm just waiting for the trailers, like what's coming. <laughs> I always take notice and my husband hates it because I'm constantly like, oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Watch it. Watch it. Like, no, what? You have to watch it. <laughs> but I know that it's really expensive to have an ad there because back, especially when I was doing marketing, we actually, I had to research the, the cost of that. And I remember it was so expensive. So if they're putting it out there, I mean, it has to be, it has to be good. So when I see a bad ad there, I'm like, guys, what are you doing? It's like putting a bad ad during the, what is it? Uh, Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Exactly. You know, like, why would you do that? <laughs> yeah, I know. Some people's version of what they think good looks like is, yeah. But anyway, each to their own. <laughs> okay. What's next? So, we, so we're looking at the FAQs. We're reading through those. So make sure that you are answering those. And so I guess the question around that, is it just uh, assuming what people are going to be asking or do you should, is there a general list we should be looking at? Like, where are you getting your FAQs from? Is that just you're collecting it as people ask questions? So ideally, yes, there's two, two ways. So first you need to, you know, your, your product and you probably um, know, kind of know the questions that people might be asking. So that is one direction. The other one is, ask people, get them to ask questions. So put it on your social media, right? So what are the things that you would want to know about X? Uh, get people to actually, maybe once your sales page is up, get some friends or some people that you trust just to go through your sales page and ask them, what are the things that you're kind of confused about or you want to know more of what is currently popping into your head? I love, um, I mean, asking people to go through your website and through your sales pages is incredibly important. And I love doing that. And actually, I, I go the freaky, creepy way. And I love just sitting next to the person <laughs> that goes through my website. And I watch them as they go through my site. Uh, and what happens, you can do the same with your sales page, especially if you have a high ticket offer. 
get someone to go through your sales page, sit next to them with a notepad and a pen, and just look at how they engage with the sales page. How are they scrolling through the page? Are they reading everything? Are they clicking on things that they shouldn't be clicking? Because again, if that's the case, then you're probably creating more confusion than you should. Um, look at how they interact with the content and at the end, ask them questions. So was there a moment during the, uh, during your, you know, online experience that you were confused, you weren't sure what you were supposed to do next, um, what questions you have, and so on and so on. So you have to experiment, especially if you have a high ticket offer, you want to you know, take away all of the fluff and all of the confusion out there to create a seamless experience. Yeah. Okay. Great. And so who should you be asking to do that though? Because I kind of feel like you want to make sure you've got somebody who is going to, I guess, give you good feedback and uh, who's going to maybe like, yeah, ask questions and things like that. So how, how do you find the right person to do that with? So it's kind of like either you can ask people in well, if somebody fits your ICA, your ideal client avatar profile, well, ideal client avatar in uh, in your network, then you can ask them. But it's kind of like when I was doing ICA calls for my course that I'm launching next year. Uh, you know, you put it in Facebook groups and you ask, "Hey, can you can you provide feedback on that?" And if they're aligned, you can still do that. You can actually jump on a Zoom call like this and look at ask them to share their screen and see how they interact with your site so how do they scroll through it and stuff like this so it does require some you know some time and I would I would ideally recommend to get 10 people to to do that for you to get feedback from at least 10 people wow, um, okay. those ICA calls uh, and uh, and yeah you can use Facebook groups you can use past clients who fit your ICA profile uh, and so on okay great yeah I've got Lots of those. I can ask them and see. <laughs> I did sort of ask, like when I did uh, the last launch, I sent a little survey, just obviously understanding like why people bought and what kind of got them over the line. And, you know, but I did ask, you know, did you read the sales page? Did you read like 50 to hundred percent or less? Mm -hmm. Was there any feedback on it? Uh, because I did get uh, it. I did pay for a copywriter the last, well, in the last six months to kind of do that for me. Uh, so it was interesting to see the feedback because obviously once again, you invest in these things. You're like, did everybody like, did you read it? Did you not read it? Yeah. So no, it was good. It's good. I think it's always good to ask and see what the feedback is. Absolutely. And I think if it's, if you already had a, an, a sales experience, if you already had a launch, then definitely use the feedback and ask people. It's a great question of what uh, made you kind of tip over, what really yeah. made you purchase. Um, and, and also, yeah, how, what was your percentage? How many people actually read the whole thing? Do you remember? Oh, I'd have to go back and take a look, but I th I feel like most people read through a lot of it, but it's, and I've said this before on the podcast, but it was the podcast and my stories that were my biggest mm -hmm. converters. Like as far yeah. as like getting people building the trust and getting people to kind of go to the sales page. The sales page was almost like a, I'm just going to check the details out before I buy because I've already kind of made the decision. So yeah. that was, that was interesting, but obviously that's not going to be everybody. So you want to, you want to make sure that you are providing all the information that you need to, to give people, you know, to answer the questions that they've got. So Absolutely. I'll have to go back and take a look at my percentage. <laughs>
Absolutely. I mean, of course, with uh, when you already have a strong brand and a good following and people already trust you and know you, it's so much easier to convert them because they already, with all of the free content you put out there, you're basically showing them that you know your craft, you know what you're doing. So they, whatever you, you put out there, whatever new launch, new product, new service that you put out there, they're already there ready to buy because they know that they're going to get so much value out of it. With cold leads, is a little bit more complicated because you need to educate them and you need to build this trust. And that's where the social proofing comes into place. That's where you need to write the promise paragraph. You have to grab their att uh, attention. You have to object, uh, uh, frame all of their objections and ensure that you answer all of them, question all of their questions so that they can feel confident in your craft. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, great. What else do we need? So um, you need to, we, I, I mentioned it before, but a price guarantee and um, kind of the returns and refunds <laughs> section yeah. is important on the sales page. It's not something that we, us as business owners, we like very much. Obviously we, we want, no, we don't want anyone to ask for a refund because we believe in, in what we put out there, but it happens and it does make a difference from what I've seen. The conversions are usually much higher when there is some kind of price guarantee. Um, the refunds are never as high as people usually expect it, um, but it's something that if you're not doing it yet, um, I would strongly recommend you to, to start considering that. Yeah. You also and I think to... also with the price guarantee, I also think it's a bit of a mindset thing from a, from a, like if it's your sales page and your product, for me, when I think about a price guarantee, I'm like, I know that my course is great. I know that my students love it. So if you come in and I've got a price guarantee, which I think is in the first two weeks. And so mm. I'm like, if you come in and you don't love it, then that's fine. Like I will give you your money back off you go, be happy. You know, I hope that you're successful and all is well. It's like, it just doesn't bother me. I'm just, you know, I just like, if this is not for you, if I'm not for you and you've bought and this is not resonating with you, then that's okay. So I think it's also just kind of having the mindset of the right people will stay, but I think yeah. it's also being really smart with when you have your refund policy. So like I said, mine, I think, I think it's like in the second or third week, I need to go back and take a look. But, um, but it's also any of the bonuses come after the refund period as well. So, mm -hmm. you know, if you're giving bonuses and that sort of thing, once the refund period's over, then you deliver those bonuses. So there's obviously making sure that you're not getting people who I guess are being a bit dodgy. Where they're like, yeah. I'm going to get the course, I'm going to get the bonuses, I'm going to consume it all and then I'm out of here, um, <laughs> which is another reason why drip courses are great too. So I think that you've just got to be smart about it. Yeah. And I mean, you will always have, you know, some sneaky people out there <laughs> and listen, you just need to close your eyes and focus on the people who, yeah, do, exactly. who do care about your content and really give all of your full attention to, to them. But I agree. It's a mindset thing. And uh, I would, if you don't yet have a price guarantee, I would definitely recommend putting it out there. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I've seen, uh, and I think it goes more into, especially people who DIY their sales pages for, especially for the first time, is that they tend to overcomplicate the offer. And sometimes I land on a sales page and I'm like, what exactly am I getting and what exactly am I paying for? And actually how much is it? So you need to be 
very clear about what the, what people are actually getting. Is it a course? Is it a is it a physical product? Is it a digital download? I know it sounds silly, but you would be surprised how many sales pages I've seen out there. And I'm like, what are we doing again? And why are you taking my money? So you need to have a very, very clear offer so people know exactly what to expect and how much they should expect paying for it. Um, another thing that I've seen is when the sales pages are not optimized for mobile, which is a huge red flag. If you're building it on lead pages or something like this, then usually it's fine because they automatically convert them into mobile friendly design. But if you're building it on your own web website, please make sure it's actually optimized for mobile because yeah. most of your visitors experience is on mobile. The ads are mostly consumed on mobile. So you want to ensure that your sales page doesn't only look great on desktop, but on mobile as well. Yeah. And I talk about this in episode 86 um, as well, which is creating a great website experience generally. So, and I just think every time, because for me, when I look at my Google Analytics, 64% of people are on my website on a mobile device. Uh, and so, yeah, just like if you create anything, update anything, even like I updated my front page recently, the first thing I go and do is I look at it on a mobile and make sure, does all the, do all yes. the buttons work? Does it look good? Is it like how I want it to be? Or do we need to move things around? And I think that's so important because, yeah, most people are going to, majority of people nowadays are on some sort of mobile device. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and finally, you need to ensure that you know your audience by heart. Um, so that's probably something that we should have start, started with, but make sure that you know your audience even more than you think you should know them. <laughs> Go beyond that because the better you know your audience, the stronger your sales page will be. You need to know not only who they are and what they're looking for, but also try and write the copy in their language. So try to um, really investigate uh, what type of language, what type of lingo they use, what are the keywords that they're using, what are the keywords that, what I love to do, for example, is especially in Facebook groups, if I can find people who fit my ICA profile, I love reading their questions and seeing what they're struggling with, what are the questions, how are they phrasing their questions, and what are the keywords that come up, uh, what is, again, what is the lingo that they use, and then use that on your sales page. Again, it requires a little bit of preparation and research, but you will increase your conversions by like phenomenal numbers if you're actually talking directly to your ideal client and not using some general language that could basically fit anyone. Yeah, absolutely. And I just think, you know, whether you're starting out in business or not, just constantly having those conversations where you understand what their issues are now or, you know, people who are dealing with the problem that you solve, how do they phrase it? How do they see it? What is it? that they're saying about it. Uh, and I think it's only by speaking to our audience that we can have that language as well. So I think sometimes people say to me, well, how do you know? And I'm like, well, you, sh you should know. Like you're the one who's speaking to your clients and your audience. So um, hopefully it's just about being a better listener and taking note of those things too. 
Yeah, absolutely. One thing that, especially when I work for, sometimes I do copy for my clients for the website and I do it a little bit differently because the first step for us to create copy for the site, especially if it's a personal brand, I basically ask them, okay, you know what we're going to do? We're going to grab a cup of coffee. We're going to just go on Zoom and we're going to talk. And we're just going to be best buddies catching up over coffee. And I always record this session and I try to look for buzzwords and I always write them down because when the person is relaxed and you talk, I usually talk about their family and their kids and how they got started in their business and why they love their business so much and what, what is their life about. Once the person is very comfortable, that's where you start picking out their buzzwords and you know, you can really get a feel of what type of personality they are and what tone of voice you should be using for, for their sales pages. So again, go back and do those ICA calls mm. um, and talk to people who fit your uh, ideal client profile and listen to them. Listening is probably the best tip that's, that we can give here because it's really not about you. It's about listening to what they're saying and picking up on those keywords, on those buzzwords, listening to their questions, listening to their worries, their, the, the objections that they have, all of that. So don't be lazy and do those ICA calls before you launch your sales page. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's the main thing. Do not be lazy. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> Do the corner. Corners. Yeah. I know that earning money and just putting your sales page out there and you know getting people to buy it's much more pleasing. But before they do that, don't cut any corners and dedicate some time to talk to your ICA. Yeah, no, that's great. That's so good. And I think that, you know, obviously we're coming when this comes out, it'll be we're coming to the end of the year. Uh, but you know, it's a great thing to start to take a look at you know, whether it's just your website in general, your sales pages, does it still resonate? Is it still doing what it needs to do? What's the conversion rates on it? Um, You know, are you using your ICA's language and, and are you making it easy for them to buy? I think that it's just always good for us to be looking at, you know, is this still working the way that I want it to work? So, I think those are some great tips, Gigi. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. No, I'm glad. I'm glad. And I just want to add, I agree with the constant improvement and constant kind of reflect on where you're at right now and check in with whether you're still aligned with uh, with the same values or have your values changed. I know that my business in 2019 went through some crazy stuff and changed a lot. So yesterday, actually, I sat down and I wrote, I made a list of tasks. I put a list of tasks in Asana of everything that I need to change on my website. And I mean, my website looks great right now and I'm really happy, but somehow I still came to 86 items <laughs> that I need to change. That's a lot. Yeah. I was like, how is that even possible? But that's because I just, you know, I want to appeal even more to my ideal client and change the wording a bit, change the the way that the page is laid out. And now I, I recently launched my podcast as well. So I need to include, I mean, to make an even better experience for the podcast users on the website as well. So your website is a constant work in progress. Don't think that you launch your website once and you can forget about it for the rest of, the, of your business life because you need to keep on improving and, you know, especially improving your visitors' experience experience on it. Yeah, I couldn't agree more because the other thing is, is that you should be improving it because you evolve and change and you learn and grow. And so your website should be a reflection of that too. Um, You know, I kind of feel like I've culled a lot recently as in like got a lot of 
got rid of a lot of products and services. Mm. But also when I look at it, it's just like, I just wanted it to be cleaner and more succinct and more to the point. And, you know, and I feel like it, that's just something you learn as you go. I don't think that Absolutely. you kind of start a business and all of a sudden it's perfect and exactly how you want it to be. So I think, you know, even an annual review is good uh, just because also I don't want you to fall into the trap of constantly tinkering because yeah. I do have some <laughs> clients and some listeners who are like, I just need to fix my website. It just needs to be perfect before I launch it or before I do this or before I, so I'm just like, get it out there imperfectly and then tweak and change as you go and as you grow as well. But just you know, also leave it alone. Yeah. Progress <laughs> over perfection. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> awesome. So Gigi, for those of my listeners who are in the car, walking the dog, where can they find you and what's happening next for you? So you can find me on Instagram. That's where I hang out most. And that is one six creative with number six. I mean, I'm not making it easy for you guys. So it's one. We'll have the link in the show yeah, notes as well. Creative. Yeah. Uh, and if you want to find out more about what I do and my business, then you can go to 16creative.com. And last month, in end of November, actually, I launched my own podcast, the Create, Connect, Convert podcast. Congratulations. So thank you. It's a big step. <laughs> so I'd love for you to give it a listen and let me know what you think with our rating and review. And the next thing is what that is happening currently, I'm completely dedicated to the podcast and growing the podcast. I do have a couple of launches coming up uh, early 2020, but it's too early to tease you in. I'll just, <laughs> I'll just tell you, you know, let's become Instagram buddies so that you can get to know me a little bit better and we'll connect early 2020 and, you know, you'll be able to find out more then. Awesome. I love it. Well, thank you so much for your tips today. I think that it's very timely, especially as we're coming into sort of the end of the year and the beginning of a new year. Um, and we want to make sure that our sales pages are converting in the best way possible. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. That was awesome. I hope you enjoyed that episode. I loved having Gigi on. She's so lovely. And yeah, we've connected on Instagram and had chats and I do love uh, her podcast and her feed, so make sure that you go check her out. All of her links will be in the show notes. You can head over to theconnectionexchange.com forward slash 91 and you'll be able to find those links. Make sure you go and follow her, say hi. And if you enjoyed this episode, then I would love you to share it on Insta stories as well or wherever you like to share it. Listen, that is it for another week. Remember, if you want to come and join the conversation, then you can always come to my free Facebook group, which is Bold Women in Business. The link will be in the show notes as well or just head over to Facebook. You can follow me on all socials at Suze Chadwick. But thanks so much for listening. If you did enjoy this episode, then I would love you to leave a review so that others can find the podcast and come and hang out with us. Listen, the music in this podcast was created by Declan DP on SoundCloud. Until next time, have an awesome week and make sure you keep playing big and branding bold.